This episode of Pat Trek is brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. They've asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show. We would like to thank the Chicago Podcast Co-op for bringing us that sponsor. The Chicago Podcast Co-op is a collective of excellent podcasts based right here in Chicago. Find out more at chicagopodcastcoop.com. The late 80s. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television and to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. Hello, welcome to Pat Trek. This is the show where my friend Pat O'Rourke introduces me, Patrick Winninger, to Star Trek The Next Generation, a show that I've never seen. And I have seen a ton of times. And Patrick, this Star Trek episode had it all. It had politics. It had a logistics officer. It had space (laughs) battles. Gotta have that logistics officer. I loved this episode. This was a great, great episode. Spoiler alert. Yeah, The defector is what we're talking about. And joining us to talk about it is our friend Pranks. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, Pats? Going great. Yeah. Now, you are a little bit out of your element. I am a little bit out of my element. Because you are a resident Star Wars expert. Yes, I am a resident Star Wars expert. And you can find more uh, of my Star Wars garbage on the podcast Never Tell Me the Pods, which uh, our mutual friend James D'Amato declared uh, declared a war between our two podcasts. He did. Very surprised to hear. I did not know he had that power, and so that was... We're representing Star Trek, so we are at peace. Yeah. We don't want a war. We're we don't want your Romulan drama coming yeah. over to our side of the yeah, neutral but, zone. but now you're here, so would you say that you are a defector? Oh! oh! Well, I'm not here to start a war, but I do love Star Wars, so uh, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah? <laughs> so what is your favorite part of Star Trek that is way better than Star Wars? Uh, I mean, I could give you, I could give you a bit, or I could give you a real response. But given that I did honestly, unironically love this episode, uh, and I want Ronald D. Moore of it, uh, 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 I'd say my favorite thing about uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars is that Star Trek is actually science fiction. Yeah, um, that's yeah. the truth. It's and fantasy. When I'm watching Star Wars, which is not science fiction, by the way, um, and isn't trying to be. Uh, I'm not looking for stuff that's more an examination of how humans should behave in our world. I'm not looking for implications of technology. I'm not looking for really the kind of stuff that I really want when I'm watching good Star Trek. Uh, I really like TNG because to me it's the best at doing what Star Trek should be doing. Um, and it has the most cerebral, interesting, fun captain of them all, too. Yeah, um, I completely mind, agree. So. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that because that brings me to our fun fact. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So... When we're talking about what it's like to be human or the human condition, you know, in the future, mm-hmm. uh, data always comes up. Yeah. So do you remember, Patrick, in the episode uh, Ensigns of Command? Yes. Where data is working on his artistic abilities. Right. And he does it by combining various artists. Right. He doesn't actually have any artistic ability. He's just mimicking people and putting them together in a blender and whatever comes out is how data does art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does it again in he this episode. He does it again. Yeah. Right, right away at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, he mixed all sorts of actors. Kenneth I was hoping, Brannon, yeah, yeah. Any, anyone that played Henry V, he he did like a synthesis of all their styles. Did Patrick Stewart ever play Henry V? I, you know, I think he, he must have. He must have. We're going to talk about this later. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying, how funny would it have been if he would have dropped in Patrick Stewart as one of the? Oh, people? that would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, that would have ruled. One thing that's really funny to me about how much uh, Picard loves uh, Shakespeare is the idea that. He loves Shakespeare, but he's a terrible actor. Like, when they show Picard actually doing, uh, mm. actually trying to act, he's very stiff and awkward. Yes. And it was, I remember reading that it was hard for Patrick Stewart to pretend to be a bad actor. Right, because he's so <laughs> damn good. Well, that's my fun fact. All right, well, I have a not-so-fun fact for Patrick's log. Oh boy. This is what was going on in the world. January 1st, 1990 is when this aired. So yeah. this is the first one of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Put on your sunglasses. Yeah. Be a cool dude. It's the 90s. <laughs> I got my baseball cap on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this headline says, Upheaval in the East. Uh-oh. Dictator's flight. Pilot of helicopter describes Nikolai Ceausescu's escape attempt. Bucharest. January 1st. 
Nikolai Ceausescu's brief and vain attempt to escape capture was described today by his helicopter pilot as a scrambled flight in which crew members were held at gunpoint and one of them sat in the Romanian dictator's lap. The pilot, Lieutenant blah, 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 it goes on, apparently. So Nikolai Ceausescu and his wife had been executed on TV on December 5th, uh, 25th. Christmas Day. Back in the dark 80s. In the, in the dark, dark <laughs> 80s. And now all these people are coming out. It's like, yeah, uh, he tried to do all this crazy shit and uh, flee on a helicopter. He tried to apparently commandeer a car and escape, but everyone hated him. And he had just, <laughs> like, mowed down a bunch of protesters. Oh, like, wow. No, dude, you got to die. And uh, Romania got really bloody in that year. You know what I learned most from Patrick's log? is Patrick's view of the world. He's always pulling these dark news articles. If it was me, people would be like, hey, a new recipe for cotton candy Hey, no, out. some puppy was born. I pulled out <laughs> something about Pee Wee Herman or something. Oh, you couple, did. But I figured I should do this because this was a dark episode. Oh, yeah, good yeah, call. That's why I did this. And, you know, the 90s, uh, the late 80s, it was a time of upheaval in the world. The Cold War was coming to an end. But, you know, there were these new governments coming to power. And, and people forget that... It happened with a lot of bloodshed, and it did. I feel like it's reflected in in this show too. Sometimes. When did the Persian Gulf War start? Oh shit! Uh, you mean the first one? Yeah, the next year, I think. Yeah, yeah ninety one. So all of this is helping lead into that. Isn't oh it? yeah, yeah. I wonder if we're going to see that reflected in TNG too. Right. Yeah, but this is. I think we mentioned this was written by Ronald D. Moore. Mm-hmm. His second episode. His second episode of Star Trek. I forget the first one that he wrote, but he went on to do Battlestar Galactica, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a few other shows too. I I can't remember them right now. I want to say he worked on like Stargate, but I'm not positive. Yeah, um, I really dig his writing. Um, yeah, it's great. I hope that we see more of him. I don't really know how much. TNG I think he, he writes wrote. a lot of TNG eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, awesome. And he writes even more DS9 from what yeah. I recall. Oh, yeah. cool. Well, he helped develop the DS9 universe. He did, yeah. Which yeah. is a lot like Battle Not that Five. on brand I know anything about Star Trek. <laughs> 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 no, I think it's okay to love Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah, I hope fine. it is. I think it's such a weird thing. Some people who are like, oh, which camp are you in? Which star do you like? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, that must be a product of the era that Star Trek was coming out. It's also like the lamest argument, too. You can yeah. like more than one thing. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> I like Sega and Nintendo. What? <laughs> what? That is too far. <laughs> All right. Well, um, should we get into yeah, the Yeah, we should. Yeah. So, like we said, this is the defector. Uh, it opens with, it looks like this old-timey scene, and you see Data come in to this campfire, and he's Hell dressed yeah. in robes and stuff, and it's like, oh, wait, there's a holodeck. <laughs> and as they, they talk, you realize that this is Henry V. It's act Some four. of us thought it might be King Lear. We're not going to say who, but <laughs> yeah. it's Act Four. Someone scene. named Patrick thought it was. <laughs> yeah. It's Act Four. The scene one who one. would report on Cotton Candy News <laughs> is the one who thought. Well, no, the reason why I know this is Act Four, Scene One of Henry V is because I played the role that Patrick Stewart is playing my senior year of college. That's awesome. Uh, Michael Williams, the guy with the pike, and he's asking, like, where the king is going and what this scene is is so michael williams is just a regular soldier he's one of the only characters in shakespeare that has a first and last name because he's just some dude and <laughs> the king shows up in disguise to like get a feel is right before the battle of Agincourt, and he's mm-hmm. trying to get a feel of like what his soldiers feel and michael williams doesn't know that this is the king and he's just bullshitting about the king he's like yeah this dude sucks He's making us come over all the way to France to fight for what? Like, why are we doing this? And also, if we die, if we don't die well, and well in that term meant if we die uh, with, for no reason, for no reason with uh, with our sins unforgiven, we all go to hell because of this fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> and the king's standing there hearing. This. Yeah, and so this is like the only time when a leader in Henry V gets to hear. What he probably needs to hear from his men. What and we call the undercover boss scene. It's, yeah, this is the undercover <laughs> boss scene of Henry V. Timeless reference. And, yeah, so the reason why I'm spending so much time on this is because this frames the entire episode. This scene, they keep coming back to it. Did you like that device? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah, me too. It comes off as a little hokey sometimes in Star Trek, but this episode, they did it really They did it well, and I think it's because they explained it because Data is performing as Henry V, and Picard is one of the people in the holodeck thing. He's Michael Williams. 
Mm-hmm. And now, when you played Michael Williams, did you dress up as Patrick Stewart? As I did. Michael Williams? No, I didn't. I just, I didn't even. We didn't even do like British accents in ours. I just enunciated. So, and, and to be clear, Patrick Stewart is also playing Picard in the scene. Yep, standing off to the side watching. It's crazy. So Patrick Stewart is in the I scene as two different characters. For that. He had to have. Yeah, you can't be a Shakespearean actor, know that this scene is happening, being like, "Oh, I'll just stand on the side and watch." Yeah. And in the Kenneth Branagh movie, Henry V, which is really good, by the way, he the guy that he cast as Michael Williams is an actor actually named Michael Williams. Oh, wow. So that's awesome. Yeah. This is great. It's a fun <laughs> role. Uh, and Picard is, like, talking to Data after the scene. He's like, that was great. You know, you got to, you know, give him some tips. And then Data mentions that thing about how he, well, you know, I combined Lawrence Olivier and Kenneth Branagh and all these other people. Mm-hmm. And he even dropped like a Klingon name in there, which I thought was really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you haven't experienced Shakespeare unless you've read it in the original Klingons. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Klingon opera is a really big deal. Right. Really? Yeah. yeah. Klingons love Klingon opera. And they played a couple times in various episodes. And it sounds terrible. It's hard for humans right. to understand mm. what's going on. But yeah, so they talk about how they're trying to study the human condition, but like Picard is like, you can't can't copy other people. You got to do your own thing. Yeah, I thought that was cool. He also like negs him a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah. Hardcore. Yeah, because Data's like, oh, do you think there's a time when we might be able to schedule a performance for the crew? And Picard's like, well, slow your roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait. You do suck. that later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they go to the bridge. Riker is like saying, hey, we, we got an unidentified craft in the neutral zone. Um, so this is the demilitarized zone between the Romulans and Federation, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm still not entirely sure like what the rules are, but it's bad if something is in the neutral zone. I think zone. they monitor the neutral zone with heightened awareness, and you're allowed to be in it, but it's definitely a flag. Ah, yes. okay. Yes, exactly. It is that space where if you're in it, you're probably up to no good. So you can be there, but get out of there as, Soon, yeah. as fast as you can, because also the Romulans can be there as well. Yeah. If uh, a war is going to start, it's likely to start in the neutral zone. You're not going to go deep into Romulan space Yeah, because you'll just get eaten alive. And building bases there is a big no-no. Yes. So they have found Romulan ships in the neutral zone. They're speeding. They're like going really fast and are coming towards the Federation <laughs> space. There's, that's the law they're breaking. That's the law they're breaking. They're going, <laughs> going way too fast. <laughs> well, no, they're heading towards Federation space. Right. So it looks like uh, that could be like some kind of invasion or something. But the pilot is like sending this garbled message that he is uh, seeking asylum mm-hmm. and that he's trying. It's like a defector. It's like Soviet defector, basically, mm-hmm. situation. He's being chased by two warbirds. Yeah. And they see it on the viewer. They're like, oh, yep, that's definitely happening. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, that's a situation here. So Warbird is like shooting on the scout ship. It's damaged. And they're trying to get some kind of explanation. But it's in the middle of the action. It's, yeah. it's like too fast. You got to act now. Great space battle going on right it's now. It's awesome. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the 90s now. Mm-hmm. Uh, special effects are a little bit better than they yeah. were at the beginning of the Just series. two days ago, special effects were cheesy and stupid <laughs> because it was the 80s. But now it's the 90s. Now it's the 90s, and it's real. All right? <laughs> they try to get back in touch with the scout ship. Uh, the pilot is like, he's still like, please help me. You have to help me. I'm being chased by Romulan warbirds. You know, I r- demand your assistance. And this is where, like, I don't really understand how the shields work, but they're like, yeah, we'll extend our shields to you. Yeah, I think they've done that before, haven't they? They have? I don't know. I, I don't remember seeing it, but so they can extend the shields? Yeah, so the- it's a bubble around the ship. Okay. So it's just energy. And that energy has a certain density to it. And you can spread that energy over more distance, but it's going to get thinner the wider it goes. Yeah, that's actually that's pretty close to how Star Wars shields work, too. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So yeah. a lot of times you'll see, I think how they've done it before isn't with a ship coming in. It's a shuttlecraft on the inside. Yeah, they have before beamed out. I remember maybe it was uh, two people were on a shuttle that was going out, and they were extending shields because there was some sort of radiation storm, and the shuttle needed to go out there to fix something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't remember which episode that was, but I that just have a memory right. of that. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, they've used it differently in the gotcha. past. Well, they do that, but they're like on the edge of Federation space. And so the scout just gets barely inside a Federation space. The warbirds like have to turn and go away because that would start a war if they yep. went in. It would violate the treaty at yeah. the very least. But they don't shoot at the the warbird or at the scout ship, which is what's weird. Yeah. Because yeah. they could just and, blow it up. And right. a warbird should be able to catch a scout ship yeah. with no problem. Yeah. All of this will come up later. Oh, we uh, know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're teasing the listener got, who doesn't know how this episode ends. Right. 
uh, I hope that they had watched this because <laughs> we've been through this before, and we got a lot of feedback of people saying either I've seen the episode so many times I don't watch it, or I try to watch it right beforehand because it does make a Patrick episode that much more fun. Yeah, this scout ship is dead in the water, basically. Life support's going out. They're like, well, do we bring this guy in or not? Like, this could be an international incident, and they got to bring him in. Interspace. In, yeah. Intraspace. Inter, <laughs> intragalactic. Yeah, when intergalactic I, in, is better. Okay, sorry. I, <laughs> intragalactic. Because it's only one yeah, galaxy, it's right? within this one galaxy. Gotcha. Okay. Intergalactic so, would be our conflict, Patrick, between yeah, you and me. Right. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so actually, if Darth Vader showed up, Picard would be screwed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd just force choke him, and then he'd be dead. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so I noticed you pointed out something. Um, other Patrick, how do I refer distinguish? Did I just call you Winnegar? Is that easier? Uh, how do you, what do you guys do with guests when you... Eh, we let them be confused. Just, just decide. Okay. Just whatever you want to use, man. Cool Pat, not cool Pat. Yeah, I don't you care. You pick which one's which. That's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I noticed that Patrick Winnegar me- mentioned something about Starfighters when we were watching this. Yeah, yeah. And so obviously that perks my ears up because I'm garbage and I am obsessed with uh, like, what space battles. Starfighters rule. I love space battles. Well, yeah. it's just like... I knew I was going to talk about Starfighters when I came on this show. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> you have a, oh, you're pulling a script out. What yeah. is that? <laughs> what is that? Uh, not that I'm wearing like a flight belt or anything. <laughs> right now. He is. His shirt al- also says fly casual on it, and it's yeah. got Chewbacca and Han Solo. Like I said, I'm garbage. <laughs> um, but anyway, the thing that I found really interesting is that the scout ship, there's only one person aboard, right, when they pull it. And like that was very surprising to me because. Based on the size of the scout ship, you'd think it would be a multi-crewed yeah. uh, ship. Yeah, it's a great point. And so that was like a huge flag for me. And then you were talking a little bit about how there are no starfighters really in Star Trek at this point, yeah. and how like there isn't real like dogfighting or small one person to one person ship to ship combat. Unfortunately, going on. yeah. So like I was very surprised <laughs> that this scout ship would only have one person aboard, and then they didn't even point it out because like the scout ship also didn't appear to have suffered critical damage to the point where it would have killed crew members. Yeah, it's a so, great So, like, point. I was very... When I was watching this, I, I was very surprised when no one commented on the fact that the scout ship only had one person aboard. Well, if he stole the ship, I suppose. I suppose, but also he's a logistics officer, and you'd right. think he'd need a pilot to help him fly the thing, too, because most, most vessels of that size, you'd think you'd need a few crew members, mm-hmm. don't you think? It's well, weird. Even the minivan shuttlecrafts need yeah, two exactly. people need two crew time. members. So, yeah, it's function. like someone stole, like, a, a frigate. A Navy yeah. frigate and it's just driving it. Yeah, yeah totally. Like, like it's Grand Theft Auto. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, in, that's in, maybe weird. that cuts. Maybe that cuts towards them being like, "Oh man, this is real," because like that's an incredibly foolhardy thing to do. Yeah. And when you're being pursued by enemy fighters, you don't have time to like, or not fighters, freighters, freighters, freighters. You don't have yeah. time to like, you know, get your whole team together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a great point. Yeah. So this already looks suspicious, I guess. And he, yeah. he comes in. Well, a Romulan wanting to join the Federation uh, yeah, already. is super suspicious. Right, yeah. But he, they bring him in into the transport room. And they're like, we, dude, we got to take you to sickbay. He's like, no time. I got to tell you what's going on. I'm just a lowly logistics officer, but I got big news. And they like take him. To Don't the- worry about this weird purple fungus that's on my neck. Yeah, I think that's blood. That's blood, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they take him to yeah, deep burns. Like the conference room. And they're like, he's, he's saying, look. He really humiliated the Romulans at some other battle. They haven't forgotten that. So he says they are going to just totally disregard this treaty that y'all signed with them. They're trying to build a base on Nelvana 3, which is somewhere in the neutral zone. Be Do prepared. it's called Nelvana because Nelvana is like the distributor of this show? Oh, Isn't really? Isn't Nelvana like a production company? Oh, I don't it might know. Might be. That's funny. Isn't that the Polar Bear production company? I kept thinking they were saying Obama three the whole time. I, I kept thinking like... Nirvana three and <laughs> okay. Kirk Cobain would be hanging out. Yeah, but yeah, Nirvana three is, as far as I know, the name of the base. Hmm. And yeah. he's like, "Yeah, they're gonna invade you. Y'all better prepare because the reason I defected is to stop a war. I don't want to join anything. I'm not here as some kind of traitor. I am trying to stop a war." This is for the betterment of the galaxy. Well, this is light treason. It's light treason, yeah. <laughs> it's totally treason. Yeah, oh, definitely. And he's saying it's going to be operational in two days, this base. And as he's talking, his ship outside explodes, and it is awesome. Uh, again, 1990s uh, sci-fi effects. Well, this is super suspicious. Oh, yeah. Well. That's what Riker says. He's like, well, we would have picked it up, right? And he's yeah. like, well, no, we got cloaking technology. That's... Uh, Trust me, this is real, though. And 
if they build this base, they're going to be striking distance to any Federation outpost. So watch out. Please believe me. It's <laughs> like pleading. But how with do you them. believe someone who just blew up their ship? So you couldn't find any evidence yep. or any sort of documentation yep. that proves whether or not they're lying. All you have now is yeah. this logistics officer's word. Yeah. So he calls himself, and I say calls himself because we don't know what his story is so far. Sub Lieutenant Saital. And he's like, Yeah, I blew up the ship because I knew that y'all were gonna go in there and take it apart. Because it's a spy plane, basically. He basically accuses humans of being sub to well, or being were, less than Romulans. They were going to do that, though. Yeah, but he's like, you have, you're you're just so short sighted. But that was he wasn't wrong. Well, no, but that was him. awesome. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he he calls them cowards. He calls them worthless. And yeah, a bunch of, yeah. It and is, it's it's a lot of it's a it's pretty lofty rhetoric for like I don't know a, a bureaucrat. Right. Yeah. I love this scene though because like he's in the sick bay. He's getting healed by Dr. Crusher, and he's really impressed that she knows how to heal a Romulan's body because apparently it's totally different. She was like, yeah, you know, it's always good to get practice. You know, he mentions the episode, uh, The Enemy, basically. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you healed those officers. And everyone's like, how the hell do you know about that? Logistics officer. Right, he's like, it was common knowledge. It's like, oh, that was a spy mission. No one is supposed to know about that (laughs) shit. Why did you just mention that? (laughs) And, like, he and Worf get into this... Shouting match, kind of, and the... It's very passive-aggressive. He's like, uh, as Worf leaves, he's like, I love people like Worf because they love war, and they're all, like, they're constantly doing dick-measuring contests. And then he stops, and he's like, which is very bad and going to get us all killed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Well, the Romulan-Klingon relationship is very interesting. Yeah. Because there's a certain level of fear for the Klingons because they are... Very capable in war, but they also have no respect from the Romulans because the Romulans are so sinister and set up these really complex web of lies that you'll walk into where Klingons are like, I'm going to blow you up or I'm not going to be here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I, I think it's a great scene just because they're starting to pick apart just who he is. Why does he know all this stuff? But more he, reasons not to trust him. Yeah, yeah. And then we see the obligatory, this is how the replicator works scene. <laughs> I know, every time I see that now, I can just see out of the corner of my eyes, Patrick <laughs> rolling his eyes. Well, no, I mean, I understand why they do it, because, again, this is TV in the late 80s, early 90s. No one has Netflix. If they're just watching this for the first time, they got to know how the replicator works. I just love so, the fact that even Riker in this episode kind of half-heartedly yeah, he's did just it. Like, he's uh, like, yeah. it makes food, you press buttons, yeah, we've been blah, blah, through blah, blah, this blah. a bunch of times. <laughs> and, like, as soon as he leaves... The rival tries to do is like, yeah, I want uh, water cold in uh, so-and-so Oconians or whatever. It's some measurement. Mm-hmm. And the computer's like, I don't, I don't know what the hell that is. It's like, just give me cold water. <laughs> <laughs> he, takes, he takes the water, and he removes some kind of thing. From furniture pad. Yeah, it looks like a it furniture pad. It does look pad. like one, yeah. Yeah. Keep you from scratching the hardwood. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's sabotage. He's going to ruin the floors. <laughs> no, they've got purple carpet. They're good. Yeah, they're good. Uh, back on the bridge, Data is hes trying to monitor this area that uh, the Romulans said that there's a base at, Nelvana 3. And he's saying, there's nothing weird about this place. It doesn't seem right. It just seems like a barren planet. Nothing's going on there. And then they get a communication from Starfleet Command. Uh so this says the guy's name is Admiral Hayden. We've never seen this dude before. Mm-mm. Admirals keep changing. Yeah. Who is Picard's boss? Right. But what he's saying is like, hey, we heard you got a defector. The Romulans want him back, but obviously we're not going to do that. So uh, take it. Just listen to what he's saying. Uh, go to this Nelvana 3 place. I like that in the episodes of TNG that I've seen, all the other ones that I can recall where Picard gets a call from his uh, boss, his boss is an idiot. Yeah. This is like the first time that he's actually gotten useful stuff and the boss is telling him to be cautious, like right. figure things out and keep reporting back to him, which is what he should be doing as opposed to just doing bureaucratic nonsense, well, which is usually what happens. The, the yeah, last totally. time he had to deal with his bosses, they all had brain parasites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there's been a couple interactions since. There was that old fling of his. Right. Yeah, uh, during Measure, Measure of a Man. Man oh my God, that one was so good. Yeah, it's yeah, a great yeah. episode. Uh, but to your point, often the admirals are more giving commands of things Picard shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah. 
much less trying to in be... This, in this case, they're saying, hey, uh, check this out. This yeah. could be something. Yeah, yeah. totally. So uh, we're back on the bridge, and they're looking over the sensor readings, and Jordy's just like, you know, it seems really weird. I'm looking at the, the battle that we just saw, and it looks like the Warbirds let this guy get away. Feels pretty suspicious, because as you said earlier, Pat, the Warbirds could have just overtaken this guy. Oh, totally. I mean... Two warbirds, maybe three warbirds, could take out the Enterprise. Imagine what two of them could do to a scout ship. Right, like the Enterprise is the best starship in all of the of all of the Federation's uh, fleet. Yeah, and Data points out. Okay, so one of the thing that we know about the Romulan vessels is that they can change the effect of their weapons. They can change the impact. So maybe they just fired some blanks at him. And mm-hmm. Doctor Crusher is like, well, you know, he was really injured, but he could have done it himself. Yeah. So. It's up in the air whether or not this guy's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Picard gets another... I want to get into his motives really quick before okay. we move on. Yeah. Why would he not be telling the truth? Yeah. It would be because he wants to lead the Enterprise into a trap and the Federation to war. Right. And I think that's really important because of how hard the Federation is trying to stay out of war and out of conflict. But the Romulans never attack first. And that's right. like a big thing for them. They mention this when, when they're meeting the guy in the conference room and they're like they always test people Mm -hmm. they try to push the limits so they can never be responsible for starting a war but we all know that they are right so that's it's a very sticky situation they're dealing with here yeah and it's it's super interesting that the federation is aware that they could be walking into a trap Right. That is what their enemy strong suit is. It's not necessarily even battle. Right. It is tricking you to getting yourself into a situation where you're... Setting traps, basically. And Mm -hmm. so this is the next uh, communication that he gets from Admiral Hayden. And they're like, hey, we understand this is kind of weird. We still want you to check out this Nelvana 3 place, but we're sending some ships your way. Problem is, they're not going to get there in time. The Enterprise is always just too far away. Yep. And fast. That's the other thing. Yeah. And he says that they don't. We don't want a war, but if they start one, if they break the treaty, we're going to go to war with them. Yeah. So we're prepared to do it. And Thank God. Picard sends out a probe. He's like during the enemy. Picard's a coward. Uh, yeah. And doesn't well, go to war, even know. though he should have. I don't think he should have. A lot of people <laughs> would have died, and they didn't even separate from the battle. A lot bridge. of people always die they, in war. They, they they never, war. Now they're just going to go to war three weeks later. <laughs> they didn't even separate from the battle bridge when they do this shit. <laughs> that you know that that one thing that they're supposed to do I'm to prevent happy. thousands of people from dying. <laughs> I'm just happy that Picard's boss is telling Picard, "Hey, dude, if war comes up, we're fighting. We're not going to run from it this time." But so he says, "How the, do you think they stay in peace? They <laughs> right. never fight war. Yeah. No, never. They're cowards." <laughs> Wow, it sounds we like gotta a, have you on Never Tell Me the Podcast. <laughs> yeah, you sound like a Klingon, man. <laughs> so you know, all, I, all I'll say is the Federation needs some Klingon in their blood every once in a while. Yeah. So he he gets, he brings Data in. He's like, "Hey, Data, we're gonna send a probe out to this Nelvana Three place. I want to get every bit of information that we can, so we know what we're getting into." And he and Data start talking, and Data's like, "You know, he tries to assess everything based on the facts." And Picard is like, "You know, I wish I could do that, but..." Remember that scene that we were doing in Henry V? I have to find out what my crew feels like. I have to, you know, I can't disguise myself like King Henry did. I can't walk around and, you know, figure out who the Williamses are and and try to persuade them to come to my side. He can't just hang out with uh, Barclay. Right. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I really like about this scene, and it's another strong point of TNG in particular. I won't say all of Star Trek, but TNG in particular is how they're subtle about the the themes that they're trying to get across. Mm. Um, if this were TOS or George Lucas written Star Wars, they would just state outright what the moral and the point they're trying to yeah. get in the scene. But they didn't. They like referenced a few lines and talked about it right. as human, normal human people yeah. would, rather than just saying exactly what they're thinking and feeling so yeah. the audience can understand. Showing instead of telling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I felt that they did that in the last episode that we... Uh, the vengeance factor. The vengeance factor. Right. Um, so yeah, that's then, when they do it really well. Right. Because sometimes it, they do sometimes say they instead of show, and yeah. then it's TV, so it gets so hokey. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when they're when they when they take this approach, it's great. It makes it super and strong. We had that framing uh, device at the beginning of the of the episode that sets it up for us. Yeah. They're not yeah. just. I, I sometimes I cringe at some of the stuff they do in the holodeck because it's, you mentioned Pat. Uh, 
they have no pop culture in Star no. Trek. They all love old shit. Yeah. And it makes no sense. Well, one of the but, nice things about the fact that they do that, as opposed to like doing, I don't know, MC Hammer Pants or whatever, right. is the idea that it ages re- it ages better because it's so retro. Like, yeah. they're like noir stuff or old west stuff or Robin Hood yeah. stuff. It's is, super old to them, and old, yeah, and the Sherlock Holmes stuff. It's super old to them and super old to us, which makes it makes it easier to relate to. Right? Yeah, and it kind of makes sense if you uh, keep in mind that everyone on the ship is a huge nerd. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So well, that's how humans have evolved. Yeah. Nerd Only the rule. nerds have survived. <laughs> Only the nerds, nerds rule. <laughs> No so, wonder they won't go to war. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want those jocks to beat us up again. <laughs> those Romulan jocks. Well, speaking of the Romulan jocks, they're trying to interrogate this Setal guy. And they're like, Riker is grilling him. He's like, "Where? what's the location of the Romulan vessels? And he keeps saying, irrelevant, irrelevant. Because he's not going to give up any information. He's pleading the fifth. Right. Because as he said, he's not here to defect. He's here to stop a war. And That's, this is another suspicious part, right? Because yeah. if you're a friggin' logistics officer like bureaucrat number four, why would you feel so strongly about exactly. this? Exactly. Yeah. So he mentions that he's a logistics officer under the sector of Admiral Jarek. And this is going to come up later. Uh, it becomes pretty clear Riker does not believe anything that this guy says. Which is good. Yeah. yeah. Good he move, thinks it's Riker. A trap. Yeah. Enterprise is getting another message. Um, it's from a security officer on a Klingon ship. And Worf is, like, leaving the bridge to go deal with this. This doesn't really register as you're watching it. You almost miss it. I'm but, smiling now because I get it. But this is important later. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. As that's happening, Data is... Really miss that. Data's talking to Jordy <laughs> in engineering about, like, oh, how, how do you feel about this guy? And he's like, well, my gut tells me we should believe him. And Data's like, What's, what do you mean your gut? He's like, well, it's intuition. You know, you can go based on facts like you do. But sometimes you can't have the facts. We don't have all of them. So you have to go based on what your gut tells you. Yeah, you use your gut to fill in the gaps. Right. Which is a very Star Wars thing. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> it is. The force. <laughs> exactly. I also love that the phrase, get caught with your pants down. Yeah, they mentioned yes. the Romans getting caught with their pants it's down. It's made it to the future. They ha- he has to explain it to them. It's like, it means getting caught. Caught doing it. Yeah, caught in the act. <laughs> also, I but love Data the, wouldn't know what that means. I the love the way what? Data says uh, when he's talking to the, the to the Romulan. He says like, "I was just determining what my guts say about you." Right? Oh, yeah, it's no, adorable. Uh, adorable. It's so, it's so good. Uh, but yeah, but then the facts change because yeah. they pick up subspace radiation from the planet, and they're like, "This can only be from an artificial thing." Yeah, this isn't natural. So maybe he was telling the truth. And then in 10 forward, we see uh, the Romulan, Satal, he's sitting, enjoying, I guess, synthetic Romulan ale. Synthetic that, swill. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> like it. And he sees Data just watching him. He's like, uh, what are you doing? What, what's up, dude? What are you looking at? <laughs> and Data's like, I'm just trying to figure out what my guts tell me about you, <laughs> which is great. But I love this scene because Satal is talking about, I'm never going to see my homeland again. And that sucks because I love... Romulus. I'm a big patriot for Romulus, but the reason that I did this is to save the Romulan Empire, because this war, I know, will destroy them. And it sucks, because I can never go back there again. Yeah, he talks about his daughter. Right, he goes, yeah. I, I love my daughter, and I'll never get to see her again, but at least she'll get to survive. He right. says, like, she'll grow up thinking I'm a traitor, but at least she'll grow, grow up. up. Right, yeah. yeah. His line was better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ronald D. Moore for you. Yeah, uh, but it was great. But Data takes him to the holodeck to try to recreate Romulus. He's like, oh, wow, this is the Valley of Chula. This is amazing, uh, but it's not real. And he turns the holodeck off. He's like, this is where I live now. This speaks to the Romulan mindset as well. The idea that he wants to live in the holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> no, the idea that the holodeck is useless to yeah. him. Yeah. yeah this like, is they fake. Have no, this is they fantasy. Have, this I don't care about this. This is just fake. Yeah. yeah. And then he says, get Picard and tell him Admiral Jarok wants to speak with him. Bum, bum, bum. Who's it's, that? It's, it's yeah. so funny because in the moment when I was watching this, I had no memory of this episode. I was like, oh, who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because he's only like briefly mentioned during the interrogation. Yeah. So you're like, oh, wait, yeah. And That's... I was like, is he an agent for Admiral Jarrah? <laughs> yeah. So it goes, it goes to the ready room, and you see Admiral Hayden, and he's just like, uh, hey, Picard, by the way, we found out this guy is uh, that Admiral. Uh, don't listen to anything he says because... He's obviously going to lie to you. All right, peace out. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a very brief message. Mm-hmm. And then Picard starts talking to Admiral Jarek. And he's like, oh, weren't you responsible for such and such massacre? And he's like, well, you know, on 
we called that the campaign. We don't like to say massacre. Right, yeah. He's like... (laughs) And they wouldn't. Right. But he says, look, one man's butcher is another man's hero. And you're the villains to us. So you got to look at it from my perspective. Which is, it should be pointed out, ridiculous. Right. Like, the Romulans are so clearly the evil guys. That, like, <laughs> and, and they're so obviously evil that even this guy's leaving. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, because this kind of takes, uh, you know, away from that. He's like, but I am defecting because, man, they're going to destroy the entire galaxy. So, and this is where he has that great line. My daughter will grow up thinking I'm a traitor, mm-hmm. but she will grow up. You know, and it's the idea that once he had a daughter, because he asked Picard, like, do you have any family? He says, no. He says, well, I have a baby girl, and I need to preserve the universe for her. I want to, once you have a kid, you don't just want a better life for you. You want a better life for the future. And it makes sense that Picard wouldn't be able to relate to that, because the only kid he knows is Wesley. And he hates kids. He hates kids. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Is imperialism yeah. evil? Yeah, the Romulans are being imperialistic. Right? Yeah, and I think that the Is Federation, they're, well, at least the Federation's stated goal, right? The Prime Directive? Yeah. Anti-imperialism. But they are imperialistic But they as are, well. yeah. So the Federation is just as evil as the Romulans. So they may be imperialist, but I don't know that they're necessarily colonialist, which is maybe the thing that's most evil that they're trying to show here. Right. Well, wait, so, but they send, they send colonies, but they, don't, they only send them to uninhabited? Uninhabited planets, yeah. Ah, okay. I believe, I think so, right? So it's about the Romulans, they conquest yeah, more than the Federation mm-hmm. does. Ah, But the okay. Federation does it in a, in a shadier way. Right, They'll yeah. put people on your planet, and they'll watch you for hundreds of years, yeah, that, and then come introduce themselves when you're ready. That is kind of messed up. It's... It's a different way. But isn't it better than cultural erasure, which is what the Romulans do? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that sounds like the Romulans commit genocide just like all the time. (laughs) Like, what's the alternative? The Federation wants to make sure that these species develop independently, but also to make sure they're not a threat. So they have to have send observers, right? What's the the alternative? Well, when the other one that we saw, they sent uh, an archaeological team to monitor them, and that was just for, like, anthropological study. Which, that's a whole other issue of whether or not that's imperialism. That's a whole other discussion. But it seemed, it can seem like it gets pretty thorny with the Prime Directive. Oh, totally. You know, like, that's they, why they just abandon the Prime Directive whenever it's Yeah, convenient. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously. Well, and I guess you're right. Romulans use violence as their way to take planets over. Yeah, I didn't really buy... Where, where the Federation, they more or less do it through commerce. Right. Also, I don't think, like... If one of their stated goals is exploration, there's no way they have to have a game plan for encountering civilizations they haven't. They had. barely have they one bar- though. They, yeah. yeah, it's so weak. <laughs> it is weak. Oh yeah, I forget the name uh, of it, but so they have a Bronze Age. Um, yeah, they're oh, yeah. serving like, a bro- yeah. yeah, they get busted. Yep. and nothing. They it doesn't they go up made. any ranks of right. command. Yeah. Nothing happens. There's no process. They're figuring it out for the very first time. On yeah, there's like, uh, what do we do when uh, people think that we're God? Yeah, <laughs> this ever happened before? But it's up to Picard <laughs> to decide what to do when people think he's a God. There yeah. should be a policy in place. There really for that. should be procedures <laughs> for that. I know yeah, that exactly. Brian Sevy has mentioned. Uh, on the podcast said he's like they actually do have like subheads of the prime directive but it's just like well it seems like they never follow the head of the no, prime directive no they don't which is don't fuck I around mean, on these planets picard's better at it than kirk is yeah, yeah just ignores it all the time all the yeah time. he does it was the th- it was his way to throw away the book was yeah. by them saying the prime directive yeah yeah Okay, so Romulans are evil because they kill. Well, yeah, and I, so I just, that's why they're evil, I not because of their imperialism. I mean, I, I'm sure that's it's. This is the discussion that they're having, where he's like, "Are we really so different?" It's like, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, I don't think the Federation is a utopia, but but they don't fetishize murder, right? Yeah, but yeah, massacring people is bad, dude. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree with you, but within a culture that does that. I guess all other cultures can look at them as evil. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Romulans suck. I'm on board. <laughs> I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes with his argument he's making right, right. now. Yeah. Is how could you how could a Romulan justify Romulan behavior? Yeah. But, you know, I do I do like the part where he talks about having a kid change his whole view and he's got to make a better world. And he got Tried to get the ear of Romulan High Command. They wouldn't listen to him. They sent him to some distant part of the Empire. And he was like, well, you know what? This is the only chance. And it sucks because I won't ever get to see my family. I won't ever get to see my home. But I will at least have one. And they'll still be there. 
So then that convinces Picard to go to Nelvana 3. He's mm-hmm. like, all right, you convinced me. I head into the neutral zone, which is apparently breaking the treaty because this is an armed vessel going into the neutral zone. Ship shows up, and they're like, oh, well, there's nothing here. Huh. How about that? Get this that, part is so cold-blooded. Get that Jarek guy up up here, and they bring him up to the up to the bridge, and he's like, Wait, how can that, that? I saw all the plans. I had for this. charts. Right, I, I had the charts. Communicate. I love that word, communicate. It's an awesome word. Next time I get a text message, yeah, that's call the it communicate. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I saw all the plans for this. What happened? And they're like, uh, Picard questions him. And he's like, Hey, do you think that maybe they fed you that information to test your your loyalty? And it's obvious this Jarek is like. Oh shit! That's what they did. But he's like, no, that's impossible. There's no way they set him up yeah. to throw away his life to trap Picard. Messed Whoa, up, cold blooded. Oh. Whoa! And then these warbirds show up. Hell yeah! Out of nowhere, because remember they can cloak. Yep. Why, why didn't they think of this? <laughs> They're like, uh, it, we see Tomalak. It was a guy from the enemy. Yes. He's like, oh, we meet again, Picard. Uh, listen, we're gonna blow you up. And uh, or you could just surrender yourself, knowing that Picard would never do that. Of course, yeah. yeah. And what he says is that we're going to pick apart your ship and put it in our capital city as a monument to your failure. Yes. It's like, oh, damn. And to dissuade other traitors, right? Mm-hmm. And that this is where Jarak is like, I can't believe you set me up like this. And this it becomes clear this is what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're pretty proud of themselves for doing it. It's as a well. great trap. They're like high fiving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they pop champagne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, man, what a good plan. Good, good trap. We nailed it. We <laughs> screwed over our friend. For Real good. <laughs> <laughs> so Tavlock is like, look, you know that energy signature you're picking up? All those ion disturbances you saw? That's just a satellite. And Picard is like, okay, yeah, just a satellite? Bullshit. What is it doing? It's like, uh, archaeological research on a barren planet? Dude, I am into archaeology. That is my <laughs> thing. This is bullshit. <laughs> and they t- go head-to-head. They're about to go to war, and the Enterprise is definitely going to lose oh, yeah. to these two Romulan warbirds. Everyone's going to die. And then Klingon warships uncloak out of nowhere. Boom, that warp connection. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, we got to go. We just got to we gotta go back to Romulus. See you later. And they, like, immediately leave. <laughs> they do. Because now uh, the tables have turned. That's an awesome, uh, that, that Klingon uh, Federation Alliance is working out pretty well. It so, is. Yeah. So do you think that Klingon showed up just to avoid war? Because I was thinking that, wouldn't they want a war to break out with Romulans? You know, I think they probably showed up because they got a chance to blast some Romulans, maybe. Yeah, yeah. right? Like, Why wouldn't they want to do this? No, I know, but they would also want war to break out. Right, but to Klingons, I bet they were just like, well, there's a chance of some sort of scrap, and we want to be the first people in the scrap if it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Opportunists. Uh, but then after they leave, they go back to Federation space. They avoid the war, and everything seems to be fine. But they find Admiral Jarek dead in his quarters. He had ingested some kind of like cyanide caplet. The, the furniture pad. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the furniture, furniture patch. Pad. He ate the furniture patch. It says it's this little silica gel packet. It says <laughs> don't do it. It says don't eat it. Uh, it says keep it. moisture out when it's in storage. Right? Don't eat this. <laughs> he ate it. Uh, he's dead. And they find a letter that he wrote to his wife and daughter, and. Riker points out, well, there's no way we can get this to Romulus. He must have known that. And Picard says, well, you know, hopefully in the future we can live in a world where we could. And he knew that that's what he wanted. Peace. He was a very brave man. He's a good guy, Admiral Jarek. It's too bad that he's dead. And that was the end of that episode. Yeah, he's brave. Is what yeah, Picard I agree. Him. I think he is brave, but I also think that he made the wrong call. Oh, he yeah. Oh, like, for sure. He could have lived given the Federation the technical information that they needed and maybe helped change Romulan society from the outside. Well, I would have looked for a little more proof uh, yeah. before... Well, he read all the communiques. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe physically go there uh, before... Yeah, defecting Before completely. defecting. He's yeah. an admiral. He has to have the resources to... Oh, well, they probably had him watched. I don't know. Yeah, Here's but... Here's a question. Who do you think those warbirds pursuing him were uh, under the command of? Do you think it was him? No. Or was it? No, because like I think it was Tarmalock. Yeah, because he wasn't lying. This whole setup for him felt true the entire time. But wouldn't yeah. it make sense for him to like 
Oh, yeah. I guess he was also trying to pretend to be a logistics officer. Maybe he could have told the two warbirds to, like, follow him closely to make it look like... I don't know. Now I'm thinking Now I'm thinking about Cl- uh, Romulan on Romulan, like, chess, and it's... Right, yeah. It's, I know, it'll make your brain break. Yeah. It's weird. I don't think he knew that he was... I mean, he obviously didn't know that he was being set up, so I don't think he put together that they let him escape. Yeah. You know... He just thought he was that good of a pilot. Right. Like CEOs and stuff, when you ask CEOs how they got to where they are. Oh, yeah. It's they never always, just say, they they're always say they're amazing pilots. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're <laughs> very like, good well, at flying. Pilot. <laughs> but everybody. I saw all the communiques. <laughs> read them all. <laughs> all of them. But everybody assumes like, no, I had something to do with that. Right. And so it's just dumb luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, people, I think that's a very human, you know, but all, I guess wrong Romulan. too, instinct yeah. Yeah. that. Oh, of course I got away from them because I'm a badass and <laughs> I have this important information that you need to hear. I mean, he was so dead set on getting this information out to stop a war. That was his one want. Yeah. It probably clouded his mind a little bit. He was on the side of right. Yeah. And he was right. You know, yeah. a war would be really bad. Yes. It is good that he tried to stop that. It was but, kind of ridiculous that he spent so much time playing games, though. If he had yeah, just said he was the Admiral I'm right Admiral away. Jarok. Whatever. Yeah. I got all these communiques. I haven't been to the planet yet, but I'm pretty certain something's yeah. going down. And he dropped that info that he just knows about that spy mission. Instead of, like, 36 hours in, if they had done it 12 hours in, it would have been so much better. Right. Yes. Totally. And maybe he wouldn't have had to eat that furniture pad. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. And he could have lived a life on Vulcan. Maybe well, they could have helped. He would have hated it. <laughs> he would have hated it. Maybe they could have helped uh, steal his wife and kids or something or, like, get them to Yeah, smuggle safety. them out or something. Smuggle them out, yeah. Yeah, asylum. Well, pranks, this is the part of Patrick where we like to rate what we just saw. If we thought it was amazing, must watch Star Trek, we set to kill. If we thought it was uh, pretty good, if it comes up in the queue, give it a watch. We set to stun. And if it's horrible, avoid at all costs. No reason to ever watch this episode. We leave it in the holster. So. Whoa. Does that even make sense for this episode, though? Because, like, war is bad. And we don't want it to be. Hey, set. man. This <laughs> is like the prime directive. Okay. Yeah, don't question the integrity of the rating <laughs> scale. Franks, what do you think? Under that rating system, which I still question, <laughs> it's set to kill. Hell yeah! Why? I think you nailed it when you guys uh, opened this episode by saying this had everything that you wanted out of, out of a Star Trek episode. I yep. totally agree. It had action. It had intrigue. It had drama. It had great interpersonal stuff. Um, it had data being a goober. Um, <laughs> like It's just everything I want out of TNG, really. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Patrick? But if the cause be not good, the king himself hath a heavy reckoning to make when all those legs and arms and heads chopped off in battle shall join together in the latter day and say, this was a set-to-kill episode. Yeah! <laughs> Little Henry V. Uh, yeah, it was good, man. Uh, you can definitely tell that this was written by someone like uh, the caliber of we thought it was uh, Melissa Snodgrass at first, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who's also an excellent writer, but it was Ronald D. Moore. Uh, had great intrigue. I love finding more about this Cold War-type situation between the Romulans and the Federation. And I, I don't know. I really liked Admiral Jarek as a character. Great motivation. Uh, and it was, yeah, heavy drama. It was good. It was That's a good awesome. episode. Yeah, it was great. And it had space battles. Space battles! Woo! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> uh, me too. Set to kill, obviously. Yeah. Love this episode. One thing. Could have made it a little better. More Worf. One line from Deanna Troy. I know. She had no lines no in lines this episode. Again. Yeah. She's either in a garbage episode or she's not present. Yeah. Give me a good uh, Deanna Troy well, they one-liner. Were, they, they were interrogating Jarek. Oh, and did Riker, she say something? No. The- Riker had all the lines. Yeah, she's in that scene. Her so job is to is- read minds. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a good point. What you're saying is she had to Troy harder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the writers need to Troy yeah. harder, honestly. <laughs> But I think it's a fantastic Great episode. episode. But yeah. ever since we watched that garbage episode, The Price, yeah. I can't get out of my head how mistreated Deanna Troy is as Absolutely. a character. And I don't think she gets it gets better that throughout sucks. the course of the show. Either. I don't think so either. Yeah. I'm just watching for it. I'm going to wait. And find, or I'm gonna look for that day that it's a great Deanna, a Troy good Troy episode. episode. I like the episodes with her mother. Yeah, those are on. good. Oh, Lexiana Troy, yeah. not the early episodes with Lexiana. The later ones are, I think, better in terms of like using Deanna well because they tend to like make her more complex. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but the problem is she plays every female trope. Yeah, you know, right. it's like oh, the daughter of an overbearing mother. Like mm-hmm. we've all all that stuff that we've, we've yeah, seen like much, we, it's but. something we've talked about before. How it's pretty nuts that 
in all of the episodes where it deals with an important military negotiation where she could definitely be used. Yeah. She either doesn't, she's not present. She's not involved. Yeah. Or her line is like, oh, he's mad. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. Looking at his face. Right. <laughs> we're, dealing, we're dealing with an episode where there's a guy potentially lying to everybody yeah. and there's no Deanna Troy. It drives yeah. me crazy. Yeah. But yeah. otherwise, good episode. phenomenal episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, pranks. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, is this plugs? Yeah. I guess we already talked about Never Tell Me The Pods. Um, so you can find that at nevertellmethepods.com or at like <laughs> whatever place you listen to your communiques on. Um, yeah. Uh, and make then that also happen. I've got another show coming out on the One Shot Network called Adventure, which should be coming out in the next few weeks. So Yeah, are they getting edited? Yeah. Well, they're done being edited. We have one or two like logo stuff and music that needs mm, to happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It All should that be logistics happen- stuff. Yes. Logistics <laughs> you guys officer. Need a logistics officer. We need a logistics officer <laughs> or an admiral. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I guess my Twitter, Twitter handle is at Rogue TLDR. There you can find me talking about the other star franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick? Uh, just keep listening to the show. Uh, we really enjoy all uh, uh, interacting with us and leaving reviews for our show on iTunes because it helps us show up in the rankings a little more. So please do that. Hit us with those five-star reviews, and we will read them on the air. Yeah. Please uh, listen to The Dungeon Rats. It's a podcast that I do with my friends where we are on an interactive Dungeons & Dragons uh, dungeon crawl. You get to submit the monsters, plot twists, magical items, anything you can think of, and me and the players, we have to deal with it. It's pretty great. I also, in what, like a month or so, will show up on Adventure yeah. as Whoa. Luna Lovegood. I'm very excited for that. I uh, It'll be a magical experience. It will be magical. <laughs> Pranks was saying he's... Do- the Adventure is this podcast. Can I say it? Yeah, yeah. Go go for it, man. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a podcast where he's basically modding role-playing games to be uh, against certain franchises, so like for fandom. So it's like fanfic, ah, cool. but based in role-playing games. Yeah, so we so did Harry Potter. We did Harry Potter. Uh, the first one that's coming out is going to be Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> after uh, Harry Potter, we're doing Magic School Bus, which we're recording on Friday, yeah. which I'm very mm-hmm. excited about. And then I hope to do other stuff like Batman... Ninja Turtles, Sailor Moon, a bunch of... West oh, Wing? Wow. Definitely West Wing. I'm coming on West Wing, baby. <laughs> and then, that but he's, he asked us what characters we wanted to be, and I'm like, Luna. Can I be Luna, like, right now? <laughs> <laughs> on West Wing. Yeah, on West Wing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's funny. All right, cool. Let's see what's out there. <laughs> <laughs>